you have your Bible, like I said, uh, turn with me to John chapter 15. I pray that you have your Bible, and it is good to see you this morning in the Lord's house. And uh, this morning, uh, simply, we're going to get right into it. I want to encourage you, This the title of my message this morning, I want to encourage us all to choose joy. Choose joy. We're living in some crazy times, but as believers, we have an opportunity just like Francis Schaeffer, to choose joy. And I'll say a few words a little bit later on about dear Francis, but uh, it was uh, C.S. Lewis who once said these words. He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Isn't that good? Joy is the serious business of heaven. And when we look at what the world thinks about joy, uh, we can look at uh, Merriam-Webster, uh, the dictionary, and they define joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. It is the expression or exhibition of such an emotion, and then it goes on. It's the state of happiness or felicity. But biblical joy, and I put it there, biblical joy doesn't just stop there with the definition. Biblical joy pinpoints the source, the source of our gladness, the source of our delight. And as believers, I don't know that I need to remind everybody, but the source of our gladness and the source of our joy and delight is Jesus. I said the source of our gladness and joy is Jesus. That ought to excite us. Hopefully this is an exciting message for us to reflect and think about the opportunity we have to choose joy. And by the way, I want you to know Jesus wants you, if you're here today, you're watching today, you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants you to have the joy that only He can give today. And I know that some of you might be sitting there and say, well, I know that Isaiah chapter 53, brother, you know, there's some who just like to be miserable, they don't want to be joyful, and so what we do is we find every past scripture and say, well, pastor, you know, Isaiah chapter 53 reminds me that Jesus was a man of sorrow, he was acquainted with my grief, and so he's probably not very joyful. Well, I would just encourage you that you err not knowing scripture. You err not knowing scripture because Jesus was full of joy. He was excited that he was counted uh, worthy to come and to do the Father's bidding and to go to that old rugged cross and to die for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world, to be buried in a borrowed tomb and to rise again three days later to conquer death, hell, and the grave and then to ascend into heaven to go to his Father's house where those mansions are being prepared. By the way, I guess they are already prepared. That's another message. I hear Linda here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just got excited. I heard someone say, aha, back there, and that was Linda. He wants us as followers to have the same joy that he wanted his closest followers in life to have. In fact, look at John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, you understand that 
Jesus from John chapter 13 and 14 and now 15 and going on into chapter 16, he shared a lot of details with his disciples about eternal life. He shared information about the Holy Spirit that would soon be coming, the promise of the Holy Spirit, if you please. And here in John chapter 15, he's talking again and again about how he's saying, abide in me and I will abide in you and without me you can do nothing. And then we get down to verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. And he says to his disciples, he says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy, not the joy of the world, not happiness that is empty and useless, he says that my joy might remain. Wow, that's good. That his joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Tracy Jesus wants your joy to be full in the midst of sadness and sorrow of losing mom, grandma, and, and on and on. He wants you to choose joy because I can guarantee you mom is not suffering anymore. Mom has been made completely healed. And by the way, she's doing a happy dance that would even make a Baptist nervous. I know some of y'all don't think I know, but I know y'all know how to dance. Y'all been hiding. Y'all are those closet dancers. Oh, my friends, you see the world's version of happiness is always short-lived, but Jesus was saying, listen, he was saying biblical joy is a permanent possession, and he wanted to make sure that his disciples understood that it could be full and that it could be complete in him. It was David who said in Psalm 68, verse number 3, But let the righteous, watch these words, let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Let them exceedingly rejoice. And that last phrase where he says, let them exceedingly rejoice, that last phrase is expressing great joy. And when you look that up in the Hebrew, it's talking about a joy that is multiplied over and over again. It's talking about a joy that is prolonged. It's not something that's temporary. It's something that can be eternal. And as I said, the only way to acquire real biblical joy is to get it from the one who gives it. And his name is Jesus. And to obtain this joy, you and I must step out by faith. If you say, I'm not a very joyous person, then I might want to encourage you. You might do a, your own spiritual inventory and ask yourself, have you really ever stepped out by faith? Have you really ever trusted the risen Savior of the world to forgive you of your sinfulness and to come into your life and give you the gift of eternal life? You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Oh yes, I put down in my notes, joy is the birthright of every believer and it was purchased for us by Jesus. Isn't that good? It's the birthright of every believer. Speaking of Jesus, it was the Canadian pastor and theologian and the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, a gentleman by the name of A.B. Simpson. He once said these words, he said, it is his joy, speaking of Jesus, it is his joy that remains in us that makes our joy full. And when we look at scripture, probably the greatest passage of scripture that you and I could go to to talk about joy would be to go to Luke chapter 15. I mean, what an iconic passage of scripture. And, and for sake of time, we'll not read the text, but I want to encourage you today. Whatever you do the rest of the day, go and read it in its entirety. Luke chapter 15. 
Because in Luke chapter 15, the text reminds us that a shepherd finds his lost sheep and he rejoices. A mother or a woman finds her lost coin and she rejoices. A father welcomes his lost son back home and he rejoices. And Jesus actually says that the angels in heaven, the angels in heaven actually are joyous and they actually rejoice over, watch this, one sinner that repents and receives God's forgiveness. Oh yes, certainly those who know Jesus Christ can celebrate joy. I think about it, salvation, how the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God moves in. Do you know at salvation the Holy Spirit is going to move into your life? And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 2, the proof of, his, uh, of the moving day, so to speak, comes in the fact that the fruit or the fruit of his presence in our life, notice what the Bible says, it says that it is love. Here's the proof. If you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, you've got the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. Oh, would God that we were more long-suffering with one another, just as our Heavenly Father is long-suffering with us, long-suffering in gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. And the Bible says, against such there is no law. So by definition, as I'm looking at just the bare facts, when I think about us as believers, as Christians, the reality of the facts state that you and I should be joyful people. We should be joyful people, amen? But are we always joyful? No, we're not always joyful. Listen, our sins have been forgiven. Our great God cares for us. Brian, you remember we used to sing that song, My Great God Cares for Me. Listen, we have a home that has been prepared and is waiting for us in heaven when our physical life is over. Tuesday, when we got to visit with Miss Frances, and I looked into her eyes, and Larry was in the room with me, and Carl was in the room with me, and we were taking turns, and it was a miracle in and of itself that Fairfax Hospital let nine people in to go and see Miss Frances, and we had to go in, in waves, in shifts. And we went in, and there she was, had her eyes open, and I had, we all had to get, remember on that day, we had to get gowned up and covered and everything, and daggone, the goggles they gave me were fogging up. I couldn't even see where I was going, and so I kept on doing this. I said, hi, Miss Francis. Hi, Miss Francis. And I, I wonder, I said, you know who this is, you know, and so we were talking with her, but can I tell you, Larry was there. When we asked her if she was ready to see Jesus, she started shaking her head. She was joyful. She knew where she was going. She wasn't afraid of death. She was excited to go and see her Savior. She was excited to go and be reunited with Freddie. Oh, friends, we can be joyful. I think about what Isaiah said. In Isaiah chapter 61, in verse number 10, he's actually speaking on behalf of Jerusalem, uh, the, the Jewish church, if you please. And notice what he says. He says, I will greatly rejoice. And that word there means to be bright, to be cheerful, to be glad or joyous. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful. Now, just stop there for a second. It's amazing. When you look at that phrase where he says, my soul shall be joyful, what Isaiah is talking about, he says that my soul is so excited that it's going to spin around. He's talking about in excitement and in joy. Keep reading. He says, my soul shall be joyful in who? 
my God. But notice why. Why is his soul joyful? Watch. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decketh out himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Oh, my friends, this is the joy. This is the joy that only you and I as believers can experience. The world doesn't understand it. So when we walk around and you've got a smile on your face and a song in your heart and you're actually living out a life of joy, the world looks at you and says, man, you must be a nut. And that's okay. Just say, yeah, I'm screwed onto the right bolt. Oh, listen. Oh, don't walk away today sad because we can choose joy. It was David who said in Psalm 20 and verse number 5, he said, We will rejoice. In other words, we will shout for joy in thy salvation. He was talking about deliverance in this actual verse. And he says, And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Oh, my friends, the world's, the world's definition, the world's idea of happiness or joy is temporary. I was reading in Job chapter 20. And the Bible tells us this in Job 20 and verse 4 and 5. It says, Knowing thou not this of old... Since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite. You see it? The joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. You see, the world's idea of happiness, it comes and goes, depending on circumstances. When everything is good, we have joy, right? The world says, man, we're happy, we're joyful, we're, we're, we're excited. But when something goes awry in the world... There's no joy. But scripture is very clear, my friends. It's very, very clear. Circumstances cannot take away our biblical joy. Thank you, those two people. Circumstances cannot take away our biblical joy. Don't give in to the world. Don't give in to the devil. Don't surrender because the world cannot take away our joy. In fact, James says in James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into divers' temptations. I was thinking about over in Acts chapter 5. You remember as uh, Peter and John, they, they've been arrested, they've been beaten, and they've been threatened. In Acts chapter 5, they've been threatened not to preach the gospel any longer. And uh, in verse number 41, the Bible tells us that Peter and John, they actually departed from the presence of the council who had told them this, right? They departed from the council, watch this, rejoicing. They were full of cheer. They were full of joy that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. In his second letter to the church at Corinth, I was reading earlier this week as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 10 that the Apostle Paul was actually telling the church at Corinth that even in the midst, watch this, even in the midst of our sorrow, we can have joy. Oh, I encourage you to read that passage. It's amazing. Even when we are in the midst of sorrowing, blessed are the mourn, those who mourn, right? But we can still have joy in the midst. Isn't God amazing? Do you know that I started preparing a message on Choose Joy before I, we, I had no idea what this week was going to bring forth, but God did. God understood that maybe we might need to choose joy today. Oh, listen, notice what David says when he was on the run in the wilderness in Psalm 63, in verses 5 and following. Here's what the Bible says. He says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth 
He's on the run, by the way. He says, and on my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bread, bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings. Remember, we were talking about Psalm 91 and 1. He says, therefore in the shadow of thy wings. He says, will I rejoice? I will shout for joy. Something else that's kind of amazing to me. I actually received the service order yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, I received the service order. And I was thinking about how appropriate is the song Living Hope. Because right here in my message, I want you to understand that after describing the living hope that we have in Jesus, even, even by the way, while we're being persecuted, like Peter was telling those dispersed Jews of his day in chapter, in 1 Peter 1, in verse number 4, verse 3 talks about the lively hope that we have in Jesus. But in verse number 4, Peter tells those dispersed Jews of that day, he says that your inheritance, he says our inheritance, he says it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fades not away, it's reserved for you in heaven, and it's reserved for you, me and you as well in heaven. But he goes on. And watch these words in verses 6 and following of chapter 1. Notice what Peter says. He says, wherein greatly, what? You greatly what? Rejoice, though now for a season. And here, I want you to do this. If, you, if, if you're okay with doing it, bracket the next phrase. The next phrase says, if need be. He says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, bracket it, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom thou, uh, though now ye see him not yet believing, watch what he says, ye rejoice with what? Ye rejoice with what? Joy unspeakable. Oh, it's unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Oh, my friends, it's so true. Circumstances cannot take away our joy. As Christians, we can always rejoice, even when you're sorrowful, even when you're suffering, even when you're facing persecution, even when you're on the run, you feel like you're on the run, even in the midst of temptation, we can be joyful. Paul said this over and over and over again. In Philippians 3.1, Paul wrote, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Very next chapter, Philippians 4.4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, he says, Rejoice how long? <laughs> That's a challenge, isn't it? Two words, but a big old challenge. Rejoice how long? Evermore. Oh, we can rejoice. Oh, the fact that we've been forgiven. We have been adopted into the family of God. We've been forgiven and adopted into the family of God. Wow. I don't know about you. I'm really joyful and excited that I'm headed for heaven. You know, that's the greatest gift that I've ever received. It's the greatest gift that I've ever received. 
to know that it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter who I, I, I associate with. The real uh, important thing for me is that Jesus died on the cross and he offered me forgiveness of sin. And I'm so thankful that the Spirit of God and the Word of God worked on my heart so that I received Christ as my Savior. Oh, listen, I'm so excited. This should be never-ending joy, even in the chaotic times in which we're living. And yet, like I alluded to a little bit ago, it seems that sometimes it seems as if many people have lost their joy. Have you ever run into Christians who seem to have lost their joy? Have you ever, maybe you've experienced this. I don't even know the saying. Sometimes I see Christians and they got a sour look on their face. All the time. All the time. What is so bad that you're walking around as a rep? By the way, as you're walking around as a representative of the king. I'm a king's kid. Uh, careful, I don't want to hurt my back. <laughs> Larry, we're king's kids. And that's a lot more than we deserve. We don't, de we don't deserve to be anybody's kids. But thankfully, God loves us. Sadly, when we fail to live and walk in the joy of the Lord, we actually become hindrances to the cause of Christ. Do you know that if you're walking around like this, why don't you come to church with me? I got news for you. I'm not coming to church with you. <laughs> you might have a good time. We sing some songs. And, yeah. Really? You, we, need, we need another class on evangelism if that's the way you're going out. Man, go out and be like, man, you never believe it. Be like, it's awesome. Brother Brian was here. He, he tickled the ivories yesterday. And Taylor, she was just a picking away. And Mark, he was looking cool with the bass. And, and Colby, he even sang okay. And You guys, I'm being kidding. You can be excited. You can talk about the joy of the Lord and invite somebody to the Lord's house. It was D.L. Moody who used to say these words. He said, the greatest obstacle to sinners coming to Christ is the joyless attitude of many professed Christians. So why do many Christians, I was thinking about this, so why do many Christians seem to lose their joy? Well, if you're a note taker, it's going to be fast and furious. Number one, why do many Christians seem to lose their joy? Probably the biggest reason we tend to lose our joy is sin. It's just flat out sin. We just walking right through the field of sin and we just love it. It feels good. Isn't that what the world says? If it feels good, do it. Oh, you better be careful of that philosophy. Right? Turn with me to Psalm 32. If you have your Bible, just for a second. Psalm 32. In Psalm 32... What you'll find, and, and actually if you want, you can put a finger at Psalm 32 and a finger at Psalm 51, and what you'll find is they're connected. Uh, but in Psalm 32, what we find is David has been suffering for more than a year now because of unconfessed sin. Because of unconfessed sin. And look with me in verse 3 and 4 
of Psalm 32. Here's what David says. He says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, now he's, he's talking to God. He says, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He, David had lost his joy. He had lost his joy. In fact, if you put your finger at Psalm 51, look over at Psalm 51. And then drop down to verse number 12. Because in verse number 12, notice what he prays to God. He says, restore unto me. Because he lost his joy in Psalm 51... After the prophet Nathan has come and revealed what's going on, and David says, yep, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against the Lord. Notice what he prays in verse number 12. He says, God, restore unto me the joy. Now, we're picking it up midstream, but he says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Notice it's thy salvation, not my salvation. He knew that his salvation came from the Lord. He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with the free spirit. He says, to be sure, folks, sin robs us of our joy. You see, because sin actually runs counter to God, it runs counter to his word, therefore it does damage to our relationship with him. If I walk in sin in my relationship with my wife, it's going to run counter to our relationship and there's going to be problems. The same is true spiritually. And since joy is a gift of God, remember it's a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've been given this joy by the Lord. Since it is a gift, when you and I grieve the Holy Spirit of God, it just stands to reason that our joy is going to be affected. It just stands to reason. And so, number one reason, a lot of people aren't very joyful. They're walking around with a bad look on their face. They're walking around in misery and, and they're angry at everybody is because of sin. In James chapter 4 and verse number 17, the Bible teaches us the principle that says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and to do it not, to him it is sin. I was amazed how God works earlier. Greg Witt had posted something, and, and I don't usually look at all these things, but he posted a verse that I have in this message. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 21, the Bible says folly. And that word folly there is speaking of sin. And it says, folly is joy. Now, isn't that amazing? So what happens when we walk in sin, we have replaced joy, the position of where joy is coming from. Instead of joy coming from the Savior, it comes from our sinfulness. But notice what the Bible says. It says, folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. But a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Oh, my friends, it's, it's only an unwise person. It's only an unwise person who rejoices in their sinfulness instead of their Savior. Oh, we must be very careful. But notice back in Psalm 51. Because at the beginning of Psalm 51, David's initial request. See, in verse 12, we, we jumped ahead and I told you we were already midstream. And he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. But if you go back to his initial request in verses 1 and 2, notice he says, have mercy upon me, O God. He says, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Notice what David says. He says, blot out my transgressions, wash me throughly, throughly or completely, from mine iniquity and cleanse me from 
my sin. This morning, if you've lost the joy of your salvation, maybe it's time. And that's a, you're only going to be the one that knows this between you and the Lord. Maybe it's time that you did inventory similar to what David did. You take a spiritual inventory and you ask the Lord, Lord, would you blot out? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me of all my transgressions, all my iniquity and all my sin? Oh, maybe that's what's holding up your joy. Secondly, I think we tend to lose our joy because we neglect the word of God. We try to live according to our own thoughts and our own ways, but we understand that uh, 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 the way of man is right in his own eyes, but it's the ways of death. Proverbs tells us, while praying to God the Father, it was Jesus who said to his Father in John chapter 17 and verse number 13, he says, and now come I to thee and these things. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? And so notice what Jesus says, these things I speak in the world. Jesus' word was true. These things that I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Last week's message, I referenced one verse where Jeremiah, we were reading about how Jeremiah had found joy in the word of God. In Jeremiah 15 and verse number 16, Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. We went on and we were talking about David, how he was dealing with depression. And afterwards he asked God to send out the light and the truth of his word. And he says, so that it would lead him, so that it would guide him. And then in Psalm 34 uh, or 43 verse 4 he says these words he says then he says then will I go he says then will I go unto the altar of God unto God my exceeding joy yea upon the harp will I praise thee O God my God flip over if you're still over in Psalm to Psalm 1 I want you to see this in Psalm 1 what the Bible has to say In Psalm number one, notice beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But notice verse two, but his delight, his joy, if you please, his delight or joy is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, my friends, the word of God is a constant source of joy. But here's what happens. Many times, if we bring our Bible to church or if we have it on our, on our device, we only open it up on Sunday and then we set it down and we try to live Monday through Saturday on our own. I can tell you, in the chaotic times in which we're living, it's not even going to be Sunday night before you start to feel like you're losing your joy. Oh, my friends, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. And in verse number 14 of Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Oh, listen, Psalm 19.8. David declared that the statutes of the Lord, or God's Word, are right, rejoicing the heart. 
Oh, it's so vital. I tell people this all the time. It's so vital that you and I learn to start each new day by making a spiritual deposit in our proverbial banks of joy. You got to make a deposit. Because here's what I know about banking. No deposit, no withdrawal. You want to be spiritually bankrupt? Don't make any deposits. See, sometimes sin robs us and causes us to feel like we've lost our joy. And sometimes it's just simply the neglect of God's word. And then lastly, a third reason we seem to lose our joy is, and I say this all the time, but it's like, you know, sometimes we have to just, I remember when I was a kid learning ABCs. I, I guess somebody had to tell me the ABCs a, a million times. Sometimes we just have to be told over and over again. The third reason is we don't pray. We don't pray. And scripture is very clear about the joy that we can have through prayer. And sadly, whether we forget about it, whether we make excuses or otherwise, we typically don't pray like we should. And in and of itself, this can cause us to lose our joy. I think about over in John chapter 16, after revealing to his disciples that after his death, that the world would rejoice. Remember Jesus tells, he says, hey, listen, he says, I'm going to die and the world's going to rejoice. And he says, and when they rejoice, you're going to be sorrowful. When I die, you're going to be sorrowful. But if you drop down, all the way down to verse 24, notice what he says to him. He says, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Up to this point, up to this point, you've not considered me the mediator between God and man. And so you've not asked anything in my name. Simply what you've ever done is you've just asked me. But he says, watch what he says. He says, hitherto you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your what? That your joy may be full. Well, listen, Jesus was telling them, he says, listen, soon and very soon I'm going to die. And after my death, after my burial, after my resurrection, here's some really cool news for you. You're going to be able to ask anything in my name. And not only is God going to hear you, but he's going to answer you. I'm not sure we're convinced with one amen or two amens on the fact that we could ask and our joy could be full. Oh, it's so incredibly important. In James, James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Listen, when you and I try to accomplish things in our own strength, what typically happens? We fail, we're miserable, we wonder why the power of God isn't working in and through us. We say, well, God, what are, what are we doing? Well, did you pray about it? Have you been in God's word? Do you have some unconfessed sin? Oh, see, it's so incredibly important. Joy is a gift of God the Father. Watch this. It comes from God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son is in, and is revealed in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are involved. All three persons of the Trinity are involved in our joy. And prayer, by the way, is one of the keys that unlocks the treasure chest of God's greatness. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened up to you. In James chapter 4, here's a reason we don't have a lot of joy through prayers. James says, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. 
And then the other problem is not only do we have not because we ask not, the other problem is that when we ask, we ask amiss. We ask out of a wrong heart attitude. Oh, listen, it's been said that Satan cannot keep God from answering our prayers, but he will do whatever he can to keep us from asking. Isn't that true? See, he's a deceiver. He's a liar. He, he'll tell you, oh, you're strong enough. You don't, need, you don't need the Lord's help in this. You're a strong Christian. You don't, need, you don't need to go to the throne of God's grace and find help in your time of need. That's, that's what weak Christians do. No, that's what every Christian should do. Not just weak Christians. In fact, I would suggest that you're weak if you don't do it. Oh, my friends, joy is so important. As I wrap up, I was thinking about how Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. He said, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's our strength. And I put down just some final thoughts. A joyful Christian is going to be a strong Christian. If you're really joyful today, you're going to be strong. Isn't that how the song says? We are weak, but he is strong. Oh, my friends, a joyful Christian is a strong Christian. By the way, it's much harder. It's much harder for the devil to deceive us and tempt us if we're walking with the Lord. If we're walking and talking and fellowshipping with the Lord, it's going to be much harder for that old deceiver, for that liar, for that murderer to get us off track. And so a joyful Christian is a strong Christian. But here's something else I know. A joyful Christian is going to be a witnessing Christian. Uh-oh. We got a lot of silent Christians these days. Someone may ask the question, well, I mean, how do I actually share joy with other people? The short answer is, if you have the joy of the Lord inside of your heart, I got news for you. It's just going to bubble up out, out of you. You're not going to have to work at it. You're not going to, you know, if you're like, you've been walking around like this, mean-faced, and you're, you're angry all the time, you got to check on the joy mon uh, 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 monitor, see where your joy level is, right? Because if you're a joyful Christian, it's just going to ooze out of you. People are going to be like, something's different about that guy. Yeah, and they might say you are a nut, but you can be a nut for Jesus. Amen. A joyful Christian is a witnessing Christian. People will see it. I think back in Psalm 51, after asking God to restore the joy of thy salvation, in verse number 12, notice what David says. He says, he says God, if you'll restore the joy of thy salvation in my life, he says, notice, here's what I'm going to do. He says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Oh, we need the joy of the Lord. Because joyful Christians are witnessing Christians. You see, when our, our joy is where it should be, I can assure you that our attitudes and our actions are going to be consistent, watch this, with the Christ that we say we know. I see a lot of people that run around and say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I know Jesus. But they have no joy. Those things don't, those things don't work out that way. If you really have a relationship with Jesus, we ought to be expressing the joy of the Lord. By the way, we're living in a chaotic world in which even joyful Christians sometimes get pulled aside in the world of arguments. In the world of arguments. Can I tell you that as a joyful Christian, the goal is never to win an argument. The goal is to win souls. 
The goal is never to win arguments. The goal is to win souls. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Wise. Psalm 126 in verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, they that sow in tears shall reap in what? Joy. And he that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing bringing his sheaves with us. Oh, listen, a joyful Christian is a strong Christian. A joyful Christian is a witnessing Christian. And then the last thought I have before I close is a joyful Christian is a, here it goes. It's going to rub the fur the wrong way. A joyful Christian is a serving and worshiping Christian. And there is no response. Duly noted, no response when I said a joyful Christian is to be a serving and a worshiping Christian. You see, if a person is truly joyful in the Lord, they will naturally want to serve and worship Jesus. I will not have to call you and beg you to worship Jesus. I will not have to have the Ladies Auxiliary Club, the Martha Club, or any other club call you and ask you if you want to worship Jesus. It's just going to be a natural outprocessing of your relationship with him. I remember when Colby was about this high and we dropped him off at his grandmother's house down in Southern Virginia. And they were having a vacation Bible school at that church that, that week and Colby wasn't really excited about the fact that it was vacation Bible school because his grandmother had already alerted him to the fact that his little hiney was going to be up at the church every day and every night. And uh, we were sitting there eating. You remember it? We were sitting there eating and... Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to be a dad, dad. Hello, dads. Sometimes you just got to be a dad. You can't always be their friend. And uh, so Colby, he's sitting there eating, and, and he wasn't really angry, but he, he wasn't real enamored with all that was getting ready to take place. And he says, I just don't know why I can't do this. or do this. I can't remember all the things that we're saying. And I, and I looked at him, and I said, what's the Bible say? And he said, sir? <laughs> And I said, what's the Bible say? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, the Bible says in Psalm 100 in verse number 2, it says to serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. And Kobe goes, okay. <laughs> Can I tell you? And his mom's here. She'll verify. At the end of the week, we could not shut this boy up for all that God had done in his life serving during that vacation Bible school. Oh, listen, a joyful Christian is going to be a serving and worshiping Christian. And by the way, if you don't like that verse, take it from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself, who said in Luke chapter 4, after the devil is out there in the wilderness tempting Jesus, notice what Jesus says. He says, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. I'll just let it sit right there. He said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him Oh, that's a good word too, isn't it? And him only shalt thou serve. We're living in 2020. And sadly, I look around and people are joyless. They're not choosing joy. They're running from here to there to yonder and they're serving this. They're serving that. They're serving everywhere under the sun. And when we call and we say, hey, brother, sister, we miss you. We'd love for you to be in God's house. We're still, we're still up on the hill. 
Still teaching and preaching the word of God. You know, Pastor Skinner and I were talking a couple weeks ago. And uh, he said, well, you know, people are just going to do what they want to do. I remember he used to say that all the time. People are going to do what they want to do. We just have to continue to be faithful. Oh, listen, choose joy. Choose joy. Don't let sin, don't let the neglect of the word of God, don't let the lack of prayer get you off track. Because a joyful Christian is strong. A joyful Christian is witnessing. A joyful Christian will be serving and worshiping God. And so if you're here and you're lacking a little joy, I ask you today, I ask you to make a decision. I ask you to make a decision for the Lord. You know, it's been said this, and some of you have heard this say, statement before. It said, you're writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By the deeds that you do and the words that you say, men read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? If you're here this morning, can you honestly say that you have the joy, joy, joy down in your heart? Do you have the joy of the Lord down in your heart? Are you walking in joy day by day, even in the midst of suffering and sorrow and persecution and temptation? Are you, are you experiencing joy on a daily basis? I want to encourage you, choose joy. If you don't have joy, then I want to encourage you today. If you've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you to do what I said at the very beginning of the message. Step out by faith. Acknowledge that you need to be forgiven, just like I did. As a 13-year-old boy, I acknowledged that I was an angry young man. I was angry at God because my mother had died. I was so angry for three years. But you know what? God worked in my heart. And I received Christ as my Savior. Oh, what a wonderful thing our Lord and Savior is. Maybe you're here and you say, well, Pastor, I'm a believer. I actually know Jesus as my Savior. Well, then let me ask this question. Have you lost the joy of thy salvation? You're struggling to find joy? Maybe it's time, just like David of old did, that you might say, Lord, that might be your prayer today. Simply just, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And you know what? Jesus actually told his disciples that they would be able to ask in his name, when we ask anything in Jesus' name, he said that God will actually hear you and God will answer. And so whatever your need is today, I pray that you'll do business with the Lord while he is near. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the op opportunity that we have to be in your house today. And Lord, what a wonderful opportunity we have to choose joy. When we look at everything that's taking place in our world today, the opportunity to choose joy is so important. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to, to work in hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here in this room, somebody that's watching and worshiping online that has never choose, chosen joy, that they would do that today. That they would call upon the name of the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive them and to come into their life and to begin to change them from the inside out. 
and that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that love and joy and peace and long-suffering and meekness and, and on and on, it would be evidenced in their life. Lord, I pray for those that are here that are believers, those that have been walking and talking with you and some for many, many years. And maybe they... Maybe they're going through a season of life where they feel like they've lost their joy. They've had their focus on everything else under the sun except for you. Lord, I pray that their prayer and their desire would be like David's and that they would call upon you and ask you to restore the joy of thy salvation unto them so that they might be able to do what David said he could do, go and teach other transgressors thy ways or thy words, so to speak, so that lives would be changed. Oh, Lord, it's so important what we do with the joy of the Lord. God, I pray that you'll bless during this time of invitation. God, that you'll be honored, that you'll be glorified, and that the decisions of our heart might be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I pray for souls to be saved. God, I pray for others to be added to the church, those that need to be baptized, that they would come and make that statement. And God, we would be able to have an opportunity to baptize new believers. Whatever the decision that needs to be made, God, I pray that you'll work on our hearts right now. Lord, we know that you love us. And so, Lord, we pray this in the precious name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.